Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. All right, folks, hope you're having a wonderful Wednesday. Uh, I certainly am. Uh, We're about to go into the Thanksgiving holiday season. Uh, There's a lot to be thankful for. Uh, There's a lot that everybody's going, I need to bash my head in, but there's a lot to be thankful for right now, because I tell you what, we could be like what's happening in Australia, which is an absolute lockdown uh, beyond epic proportions. We could be in a situation like what's happening over in Europe with Austria and some of the other nations. We may have a lot of knotheads in power, but the great thing is we've got an electorate that for the most part is pretty, pretty patriotic, pretty conservative and willing to do what's necessary to keep our country on the right track. Sometimes we're, we're getting battered and bruised. And right now we've had our nose bloodied a little bit. But you're in the corner and you're about to come out and you're coming out swinging. We've had some wonderful things happen. If you're not excited about what happened with the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, I don't know what else to tell you, brother. It was a wonderful thing. It was a victory for not only the Second Amendment, but not only for your right to defend yourself, but it sent a message that the folks on the terrorist side of the aisle that support Black Lives Matter, and I'm not talking about the word Black Lives Matter. I'm talking about the organization. That's a criminal organization, the criminal organization of Antifa. Those are terrorist criminal organizations. The people that support what they did in terms of burning and looting and murdering down our American cities last summer, it sent them a message. There's consequences. So now they're actually having to think, oh, my goodness, there might be ramifications if I do something. If I go and point a gun at someone, I could get shot. I could get killed. Well, duh, was a great message. There was another gentleman down in Florida who happened to be a young black man, similar circumstances. He was freed under self-defense, although there was all kinds of racial nonsense going around. It's been a good week. Now, there's a lot of nonsense out there, and I'm not going to address all of it because we're going into Thanksgiving. It's time to sit back, take stock. We're going to have plenty of time to keep fighting. And what I want to do is we're about to get into that wonderful season that we call candidates jockeying for elected office season. You know what happens. Happens every two years, and it happens at all different levels. I had a show that we did a few months back. That was basically called the building blocks of politics. We talked about all different levels that you could get into on the local level, county level, state level, federal. You know, if you wanted to get involved and you wanted to run for an office, we did a a very detailed show on that and compared and contrasted Texas versus California, just to give you an example of what was going through. And I've had a lot of requests going, okay, you know, I'm getting involved in politics. I'm getting involved. I'm not sure what level I want to be involved in, but I do want to be involved in voting for candidates. I think everybody should be just vastly aware right now, the people that are represented us on a federal level, okay, excise of your state and local on a federal level are doing for the most part, a horrible job, just a God awful, horrible job. And that goes for the house of representatives. And that goes for the Senate. And that goes for, I think in our, our well, I, our judicial branch, I'm giving a C. It, it's got room for improvement. I think it is going to improve. But the House of Representatives, and I'm and I'm throwing the Republicans in there as well. These men and women 
with the exception of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Babert, for the most part, have been spineless. They checked out their spine and put it at the door when they came in. I know the speaker minority McCarthy came out with this big, long speech and they go, well, where's that been for how many years? That was great. And I love to see it, but I'll be honest with you. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is not the person that needs to be the next house speaker. It should the Republicans be lucky enough to take over the house next year and barring a train wreck or federalization of elections, which they th- they'll still try again. It could happen. So you're going to have a lot of people now that are looking at, okay, we need to replace a lot of folks in Congress. In all honesty, we need to take a wrecking ball to the current Congress with the exception of a very small handful of people. Uh, I I would say you need to replace 90% of Congress. Now, on the representative side, you get that opportunity. On the Senate side, you can only do about half. Every It's staggered out. But the House of Representatives is what's been cranking out most of the garbage and minutia, and the Senate's what's been saving our proverbial butts. So if you've got someone that wants to come and say, I want to run for it, well, you need to know some things. We also have learned that it's very important that we take very good observation of what's happening at the local level. The Rittenhouse case in point. A lot of people, have there, there's a litany of things they said, well, why was he here? Blah, 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 blah. And those are answered. The one thing I found amazing, one of the gentlemen that was testifying against him is a criminal that had a gun. Why was he not arrested and charged? Oh, because Waukesha County has a what? A communist district attorney. Folks, George Soros, before Barack Obama even came into office, started putting together plans to take down America. He hates America. Why he's still alive on the face of this planet, I don't know. And there's a lot of people hunting him down, and I hope one day they bag him and have him for a trophy. But that man figured out something over a decade ago that you can only do so much on the federal level, but they know that all politics is local. And if you start taking over local politics, school boards, your city councils, your commissioner's courts, your emergency services districts, and then work your way up the state, that you can build a machine that's very hard to unwind. COVID did something that we probably would not have seen otherwise. With having to keep people home, we had the opportunity to see what was happening with our kids. We've now been able to see more what's happening with local leaders who had powers that nobody had a clue on. And then there's those local leaders who just kind of, well, they just kind of created their own powers. So now everybody's watching these local elections. So if you've got someone that wants to come up and say run for your city council or wants to run for your school board, you need to have some intelligent questions to ask them to say to find out, hey, is this someone that I actually need to be supporting? Don't assume. Do not assume that they're just automatically going to be a conservative candidate. And again, this is a conservative candidate guide. This is not a liberal candidate guide. This is a conservative candidate guide. So let's kind of start at the bottom and work our way up. Let's talk about city council. Okay. City councils are very important. Some of your larger cities, there's, these people make a lot of money. So what should be some of the things that you're most concerned about in a city council? Well, you need to look at what's their position on debt. In other words, do they, do they like a lot of debt? Uh, do they believe that the city should 
work on its basic, you know, how do they feel about their tax base? In other words, what they're charging folks. But you need to find out about debt because when they go out and take out municipal bonds, you're on the hook for that. So that's a big key right there. Another one, um, how do they feel about zero-based budgeting? All of these things have budgets, okay? And I'm going to get into ESDs in a minute that I've had five years of personal experience on, but I will tell you this. At the local level, regardless of what system it is, whether it is your city council, whether it is a commissioner's court, whether it is a school board budget, I don't care what R or D or whatever is beside it. I've personally been involved and I've watched them. They all lose their minds over money because it's free money to them. Oh, yes, it is. So one of the things you want to look at, do you believe in zero-based budgeting? Now, that's a question that should be, by the way, recurring on every level of candidacy that you get to, because one of the problems that we have in politics with all of these municipalities, with all of these governments, is they start at last year's budget and they add on to last year's budget. So find out, do you believe in zero-based budgeting? That means you got to go back and peel it back and go forward. That's a very important thing. How do you feel about in, the usage of your fees that you charge for, for example, what you charge for, for parking fees or passes, the inspections, things of that nature? That's a way that they go after revenue. You know, then they you should ask someone, what do you feel is the most important municipal service that should be offered? Realistically, trash, police, and fire, those are your main services, folks. Everything past that is gravy. If you want someone that wants to build a beautiful park, okay, how's your fire protection? How's your police? How's your trash services? Before you look at building all these mausoleums to parks and baseball parks, how you look at it there? Okay, these are important things. Do they know where their emergency powers come from? One of the things that we found out in COVID is a lot of these mayors came out and said, well, I'm declaring you can't do this, this, and this. Well, where did you get that from? Did you? Is it in your city charter? Now, a lot of people think, well, it stops and starts with your city charter. Guess what? All of your local, be it a city council, be it a school board, be it a county commissioners, the authority starts at the state level. Well, we'll get there in a minute. So did the state give them those emergency powers? So you need to ask, again, what's your opinion on a mayoral's uh, emergency powers? You might be surprised what you hear. These are important questions you need to ask someone that's going to be running for your city council. What about your district attorney? Okay, let's take let's go back up to Wisconsin. The gentleman that came out that uh, basically committed mass a mass act of terrorism right after the Rittenhouse uh, verdict. Two days later, we've got this gentleman who is a Black Lives Matter, he's a terrorist person, he's a bad guy, gets out on a $1,000 bail and goes, kills people, and maims all those folks right there. Why? Because they got a Soros-backed district attorney. So if you got someone running for district attorney, you might want to know, where do they stand on prosecuting vandalism? What's their view on cash bail? Do they believe in the right to self-defend? Where's their stand on defunding the police. Also, you might want to know if they've got some litigation experience in their background. A lot of times your district attorney is the one that is either them or an assistant district attorney that they assign 
is going out and doing those lawsuits. So it's important. You need to focus on each one of these positions. I'm telling you right now, folks, the, the, the far communists out there figured out we were asleep at the wheel and weren't watching these positions. They put money into them, ran communist for them. Those communists are down on party because, of course, they, they smiled and said all the right things. But nobody asked them the important questions. So now you need to ask the important questions. We now know what to ask. So you need to be taking notes here of what to ask. So when you get in to the local politics, you've got someone running for city council, you got someone running for district attorney, you've got a litany of questions. And if they don't answer the questions the way you want, you need to call them out publicly and let people know this is not a candidate that is worthy of being elected to public office. All right, we're up against a hard break. We're going to pay a few bills and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey. Happy Thanksgiving. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. Hi, folks. Welcome back. We've been talking about a conservative's guide to candidate questions because it's time to take a wrecking ball to the political structure from City Hall all the way up to the Ivory Towers and rebuild it and put new occupants in. You need to be sure you've got the right questions that you're asking. Don't just assume because someone puts on the cape, puts the right party designation beside it, that they're going to serve you well 
upon being elected. Now, in the last segment, we started talking about local. I want to wrap that up in this and get a little bit into uh, potentially the state. We talked about city council and district attorney. Let's obviously the big one that right now has got everybody hot is school board. Okay. Uh, people are realizing that we've got a bunch of communist, filthy rat bastards that are putting things out, teaching our children. It's already taking place, but, you know, stop and think about it. There's going to be people to run. First off, how do you feel about critical race theory? That should answer a lot of questions right there. If they support it, you know, regardless of their political affiliation, they're not the right candidate. Here's an important one, real important one. And it's one I've been, I'm going to be raising more and more awareness of as time goes on. Do they support ad valorem taxes? Okay. Your ad valorem taxes is what pays for on the local level, uh, Basically, you've got a percentage of that goes towards your county services, your city services. Uh, it's going to big chunk of it's going to go to your school boards because that's a big, big thing. I can tell you right now in Texas, it's a major problem we've got. We're in the top five or six nationally in terms of what people pay. We have people being priced out of their homes right now. Uh, I can tell you right now, it's coming within the next two sessions. We will make a major change in Texas or we're going to knock down Austin and completely rebuild it going up because we cannot afford our taxes. So what's their opinion on ad valorem taxes? Are they willing to roll back ad valorem taxes uh, to a degree to pay maybe offset with sales tax? These are important questions to ask them. Um, What do they feel is an acceptable teacher to administrative ratio? You'll be surprised on a lot of these school board budgets, how much they're giving to administration and the ratio between teachers and administrators is absolutely insane. In my state, another problem we have, and you can ask them, what role do you believe athletics should play in curriculum? We have multi-million dollar mausoleums because in Texas, we love our football. And I love football more than anybody else, but I got to tell you something. I've been on the wrong side of that subject for too many years. We've got to stop building these mausoleums and put more into classes. Ask them. Your state may have this problem. Your state may not have this problem. It's a problem in Texas, and we're to a point we're fed up with it. Now, another some other things that people forget about, you have another thing called commissioner's courts in your emergency services districts. Now, commissioner's courts, it's kind of a misleading name. Okay, it sounds like, oh, they're in there doing courtly duties, blah, 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 blah. A commissioner's court primary responsibility is road and bridge maintenance in the county, okay, outside of the city limits. So that's its primary function. But a commissioner's court in my state has broad powers and in most states have broad powers where they get to appoint people to other what's what's called sub divisional units of the county. In other words, for example, a emergency services district is a governmental subunit of the county. I served on one of those for five years. They still collect money from taxes and they still provide services. So you need to know when you're talking to your commissioners, again, that zero-based budgeting, that needs to be a question for every candidate that you know. Are you going to go back and knock down? Are you going to take last year's and pile on top of it? It's a problem. I'm telling you, it's a big problem. Uh, What profile are they looking for in appointed positions? Well, they go to appoint someone because a commissioner is an elected position, but the appointee is not. And usually the appointee is going to be a reflection of the attitude of the commissioner. Now, my commissioner retired um, and they had a election for the position. There was two main people. And and one of the people that was running had road and bridge experience. He'd been on the crew. 
uh, dramatically better candidate, was a pretty conservative fella. Um, wanted someone else other than me, told me up front, hey, if I come in, I'm, I'm just going with my own guy. Not a problem. Five years was enough. The other candidate that was running had absolutely zip on those basic things and had zip on any other type of major budgeting. Okay. And it wasn't even close on the election. It wasn't even close because people were starting to look at it. But if you're not looking at your county elections, you could be voting for commissioners that could go out there. They could they could blow that money wide out. They could be appointing people to other positions. A lot of those positions go to um development they get people that they appoint to the development of roads and highways in other areas and again that fire position so it's important that you ask what's going on get those profiles uh, do they have any experience you know and then again what's their position on the county tax rates it's always an important one if you get someone that comes out says well i don't think the county's charging enough tax well why do you feel that that's your money and if you don't ask about your money Guess what? They'll take it. Now, there are times tax rates, tax increases, are nece- they're a necessity, okay? Um, I'd love to say that we live in a world where we could abolish them, but unfortunately, there are services that have to pay for. I spent five years on an emergency services district, and we were woefully underfunded in a county that was simply outgrowing our resources. And one of the last things I did, we sat down, we looked at the numbers. It took three years, but we actually had to come out with a Increase in sales tax. We did not want to come out with anything that increased on ad valorems. I was absolutely against it. We wanted something that was more fair. Um, we got that passed. It was one of the last things I did, and it was a fair tax. We, we made the case to people. So here's what it is. If you don't invest in this for the county people, this is not the city folks, but the county folks, one day you're going to call 911, and they're going to say, well, sugar, we'll be out there just as quick as we can. That's not what you want for that service. And it was a very scary process. So we had to show the evidence. We had to show where it was going and we got it passed. Wasn't a popular measure. And I'm going to tell you, I took a lot of flack for it, but there's a time to go through. And everybody knew where I stood on taxes. I actually absolutely hated them. But if there was a case that we had to come out, I made that case. So when you're talking to your county commissioners, they're going to appoint people. Are they going to be the reflection that you want in office? You've got to be sure that you're asking those questions. So what's the next step up? Well, then we get into... You get into the state, okay? Uh, effectively, boy, and there's a there's a lot of key positions here. It's not just your state representatives. It's not just your state senators. It's your state board of education candidates. It's your attorney generals. It's your lieutenant governors. It's your governors. And there's also some other stuff in my state. We've got a land commissioner, and we got a railroad commissioner. I mean, we've got, we got, we got more commissioners coming out of our wazoo that are actually elected offices. Okay. And there's a lot when you get into the state, because remember your state, not only is really your last line of defense against an over-aggressive federal government. Okay. They're setting the laws and they're setting the codes that your counties and city municipalities are being governed by. So your state's a very, very important position, and you really need to ask some questions. Now, some of the questions we've asked before, you need to ask the same ones. And I'm going to go back to one that I'm going to hammer and hammer and hammer because we're not being aggressive enough with these people in terms of getting their their answers on where they stand on budgeting. Cannot stress this enough. Five years in the process, 
I watched mostly conservative people, and when it came to protection for a, a, a small amount of money, take all conservatism and just throw it out the chute because they wanted that money. And by God, they knew if they didn't suck it all up, well, they weren't going to get it. Well, that's the wrong attitude in government. That's the problem we have, ladies and gentlemen, is they don't see it as the taxpayer's money that they're supposed to be fiscally responsible with. They see it as their money, and by God, we're not going to give away one coin of it. I personally watched it in a small level. I've watched it go down on the state level, and we've all seen it happen at the federal level. So you got to start asking the questions. Where do you stand on budgeting? Are you for zero-based budgeting? That means you wipe it out and you go back and you start over. If you didn't use 20% of your budget, you're going to lose. And, and there is the problem. There's the problem on zero-based budgeting. They know if they don't use it, they're going to lose it. More government waste and abuse is done because fear of zero-based budgeting. It's a problem, folks, and it's one that we pay taxes on out the wazoo. So that's my number one question at every level. Same thing at Congress, but we already know they don't respect any money at all. Matter of fact, I, I don't know where those people come from. We're talking the state. So let's also roll into something. And your state may have this. Mine doesn't. Term limits. Where do they stand on term limits? If you have a state that doesn't have term limits, why? And I don't, if they ever come, well, you know, we have elections and, and anybody can come in and that's, that's a load of horse minutia. Never buy that. There is thing called the power of incumbency. It's the ability to raise funds to basically squash your opponent. Now, there's a lot of things that have come out now that you, there are ways to get around it. But at the end of the day, the incumbent does have the power. And if they've done a decent job, they're going to be not hard to knock out. And, and we're going to get into a little bit of what we feel is decent, because right now I've got a governor that's doing just enough. But he's not doing what he could be doing. He's not doing what Ron DeSantis is doing. And this is important stuff. So where do they stand on ad valorem taxes? I will tell you, in our state, we pay 3% of the property tax on the value. Three, almost three and a half, depending on where you're at in the state. Yeah. It is killing our state. It's also putting people on the lower level control in areas they shouldn't go through. I personally think ad valorem taxes need to go away because you know what I feel about ad valorem taxes? I feel they are a form of financial slavery. I'd like to see them go away completely. If you pay off your home, that needs to be your home, period. You should not have to worry about in your retirement years whether or not John Q. Idiot from the courthouse can come in and take your home because you didn't pay your damn property taxes. It's a crime, and it must stop. Unfortunately, it's a state-by-state state issue, so you need to ask them, where do you stand on ad valorem taxes? I can tell you in Texas, uh, we're coming up on something that's going to be nothing short of revolt if it's not changed and changed soon. All right, folks, we're coming up against a hard break. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey, our Thanksgiving special, talking about a conservative's guide to candidate questions. We're going to pay a few bills, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge. I'm Darren Yancey. I hope you are enjoying today's show. We're talking about a candidate's guide to conservatism. Look, conservatism can't get my words going today. All right. Um, we were talking about the state level in terms of senators, state reps, things of that nature. Uh, and I was on my soapbox about ad valorem. It's something that you've got to know about. But then you get into a lot of other questions. Obviously, do they support or are they against critical race theory? This is something that's just now on the topic, but you need to be asking them. You need to ask them how they stand on debt. Okay, states can issue debt. Uh, My state's got a fair amount out there. I'm not sure how we're going to pay for it, uh, but we supposedly have this surplus. So it's 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 masking of uh, one over the other. You need to ask them about that right now. You need to be asking them about mask mandates. Do they support vaxes? Okay, several states have taken it upon themselves to have special sessions to go in and pass laws preventing these type of enforcements. Now, why is this important? We know that the outlaw Joe Biden came out and with his uh, un- unlawful and illegal mandate of the vaccines a few months back. We know that the Fifth Circuit Court has said, eh, put the brakes on. Oh, she even said, hey, we're done. Then they, the Department of Justice has said, no, we want, we want more on this, which we knew was going to happen. They went to the Sixth Circuit, which is just as conservative as the Fifth. And now Joe Biden is saying, well, you, OSHA, y'all need to start doing this again. We're, we're going to win this thing. Well, no, they're not going to win this thing. Uh, if you read the decision that came out of the fifth, it was scathing, absolutely scathing. You cannot billy club someone and come out and say, hey, we want you to basically um, have a one size fits all. So if you have during this period of time, if your states come out and they pass laws, then you've also got some back, some backing. Our state came out and passed an executive order. Well, we already know what good an executive order is. It can be overturned. So are they willing to pass legislation? Right now, we've got people in our state 
trying to get our governor to have another special session to address this, and Governor Abbott won't do it. I can't tell you why, but it's one of the reasons that I'm supporting Alan West for governor. I want my governor gone. I don't want a Democrat in there, but I don't want I'm, I like what I'm seeing with, with Abbott. Now, there's certain states that also have border enforcement issues, okay? You need to ask them specifically, are they willing to enforce Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution? Now, Article 1, Section 10 is effectively the clause that allows if you are under invasion, okay? And that's a big, important one. If you're under invasion, what do you get to do with that? Can you actually do something when you're under invasion under Article 1, Section 10? Well, absolutely, you can. Your governor has powers. Now, my governor right now is playing footsie. We've got some National Guard that's being used, but we've got 24,000 that are available. And we had a whole lot of people come to the governor, come to receive our borders. That's why I'm really, really irritated with Governor Abbott. Everybody said, oh, he's doing a great job. No, he's not. He's doing just enough because he's trying to play both sides of the middle. Rather than appeasing the conservative base that got him elected, he's trying to go after moderates and Democrats thinking, well, I can get some donations and I'll appeal like a governor for all. No. The people that put you in is who you need to go with, and you try to do as least amount of impact damage to the ones that don't want you there, but do the right thing for the state. He's not doing the right thing in the state. Here's another question you need to ask someone at various levels. What form of energy do they support? Right now, you have the federal powers coming after us to absolutely crush, and I mean crush, oil and gas. Well, in a state like Texas, that's a big thing. And you've got several states that are oil-producing states. You've also got them where if they try to convert them overall over to renewable, there's not a grid there for that. I, I don't care what is in the media. I don't care what they say in the Green New Deal. We do not have the infrastructure for it. So ask them, what kind of energy do they support? Here's another big one, and it kind of links with ad valorem. Do they support big breaks for big business versus small business specifically on taxes? In other words, either tax rebates, no property taxes, or abated property taxes for a period of time. I recently shared an article, I'd forgot about it, that the Houston Chronicle had done that we had a we have a law or have a law that's phasing out called Chapter 313. Chapter 313 was Texas's form of come ring the dinner bell, we want you to come. And it was a form of tax property, property tax abatements over a 10-year period, along with other incentives to bring bus- businesses in. Now, there's an argument as to whether or not it should have been done on the level it was done. It's brought a lot of business to Texas. It's also brought other issues such as traffic, crime, and infrastructure issues that we didn't have before. We got to deal with it now. It's been not renewed this last legislative section, but they've got one more year. Okay. Now, it's important because there's nothing wrong with giving breaks for business as long as you don't go overboard. We went overboard. But what about small business? What are you doing to help small business? These are important questions. Here's another one that has come out of uh, COVID. What are their views on emergency powers? Now, every state has its own constitution, and every state in it has the emergency powers that its chief executive, the governor, the governor can or cannot have. What's the candidate's view? And that could go from the governor itself all the way down to the people that write the laws. In Texas, we've got opposing views. There were laws that came out in last legislative session that were designed to check our governor's power because he had a continual emergency resolution going that was hurting. They said it had to stop. We finally got it to stop. It didn't stop, however, because 
of political pressure within. It stopped because Greg Abbott got lousy polling at CPAC last year. That's the only reason our, our mandate stopped. It had nothing to do with his personal views. But it was enough to get it stopped, and we've never let it go back in. The opposite is you look at what's happening in California, where you've got Governor Newsom out there continually operating on an emergency power provision that he has worn out. Why he's not been dragged into court for violating the state's constitution, I don't know why, but I guess the citizens are putting up with it. Here's some other things that you also need to ask. Same thing, they've got appointed positions. What's the profile they're looking for? Okay. Are they for tort reform? What's their experience? What's what's their opinion on that? What's their opinion and stand on social justice? This is a platform that a lot of your criminals are using out there as a way to go wreck things because they're saying, well, it's about social justice. We have to get social justice. Let me tell you something, folks. If there were social injustices done in the past, you don't make it better by going and doing injustices today. That simply means crimes were committed in the past that need to be addressed and talked about, and you're going and committing more crimes. So these are important things. Okay. Now let me tell you about something also to watch for on the state level. Your attorney general. We got a humdinger happening right here in the state of Texas with our attorney general. Now, Ken Paxton is our current. Um, he's he's our Ken is basically he's he's our current uh, attorney general. Ken came in. And he had been in securities business and he had a conviction. He'd done some stupid things. He, I, I'm not going to come out and call him a criminal because they were considered a criminal element in terms of the convictions, but he was not a bad man. He'd done a couple of stupid things. And when he came in, there was some baggage there, but they said, okay, we're going to give you a chance. I don't think Ken has done a bad job as attorney general, but the problem with Ken has been his office came under some fire about a year ago from his internal staff saying he was doing bad things. Now, why am I bringing this up? Current congressional representative Louis Gohmert, who's an attorney, has filed to run for the attorney general for the state of Texas. Eva Guzman, who sat on our Supreme Court in the state of Texas and was a phenomenal, phenomenal justice, has stepped down to run for attorney general. Okay. Now, why is this important? They're looking at the Biden administration and going, okay, regardless of whether it's Biden or potentially Harris for the next three years, we're going to be having to sue every time these outlaw criminal SOBs take a breath. And we have to have the absolute best attorney general in position to get that done. Have to. Okay. So the question is coming about is, Our attorney general, Ken Paxton, the absolute best. I don't think Ken's done a bad job on the lawsuits. I I really don't. I I don't want to hammer him there. But the baggage he had on some of the securities issues coming in, combined with the issues he's had within the office, has made him vulnerable. Okay? And it's given others the impression that he may not be up to the test. Now, why am I bringing this up? When you are looking at someone that's running for attorney general, You need to look at their baggage. Okay. Now, some baggage is okay. You also, the key thing, and I I think this is one of the things we're going to talk about a little more in the next segment. How effective have they been in their current position? If you've got someone that has been a litigator that has been absolutely phenomenal, 
I mean, they wiped the floor with, with their competition, but they stubbed their toe along the way. Do you want that? Or do you want someone who's never taken any chances, has a decent track record, but might be Marvin Milktoast, but might not fight as hard, but they're squeaky clean? Those are tough questions. Those are really tough questions. But you have to put them in perspective of what's possible in a situation like what we've got. You know, even when Obama was in, you had the attorney generals that were constantly suing him for stuff. But even Obama, at his worst, is nothing like what we've seen with Joe Biden in the first closing in on the year of his presidency. He's been absolutely horrible. So in my state, we've got a current sitting congressman said, I'm running for attorney general. And we've got someone from the Supreme Court of Texas. And it just tears me up. I wish Eva had stayed on the court. She was a wonderful justice. I, I don't think she's doing the right thing by stepping down. Eva, if you're listening to this, I'd love for you to stay on the Supreme Court of Texas. But she's running about it. And then there's also this fellow by the name of George Prescott Bush. Yeah, it's another Bush. And I will tell you right now, he's not a bad man. Okay. He's not. He's really not a bad man. I don't want to see another Bush in higher office ever again. Okay. Because 41 and 43 are part of the reasons that we're in this mess today. Okay. 41 was the first globalist. And I'm going to tell you something 43 is probably one of the, and, I, and I, I'm embarrassed to say the number of times I voted for him probably one of the worst presidents that we've ever had. Okay. I don't want to see any more in that genealogy in higher office. Sorry. You, you guys have cooked it for me. So when you're talking about your attorney general, go into some background, find out what's going on because you never know what could happen at the ballot box on the big side. And you might go from an area where we have a president like president Trump who, you know, he didn't do anything that caused any major issues. I know the left's going to say differently, but he didn't to someone like Joe Biden, who's an absolute threat to our constitution, our democracy, to our everything that America stands for. And you got to have an attorney general that has to sue him at every corner to stop them right now. The reason there's a stay in the fifth court is because attorney generals in the States said no more. So you got to have that important position. So these are important questions. Ask a little bit of background. Do a little digging because you got to find out. Now, we're coming up against a hard break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the last segment, what we need to be talking about on the federal level. A lot of, a lot of things carry over, but what you need to be talking about because there's a lot of new people going to be running for Congress and Senate in 2022. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. 
This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to The Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to The Information Edge. All right, folks, let's do a couple things wrapping up. In this segment, we've been talking about a conservative guide to candidate questions. We talked about local. We talked about state. We're going to get into the feds. Now, there's some of this that's going to bleed over, obviously, uh, balanced budget, which we know they have no concept of. Critical race theory, um, debt. They need to be concerned about debt. You need to ask them about debt, although we know most right now don't care about debt. But here's some other things to ask them. Do they believe in term limits? Okay. We've got to get term limits in there. Where do they stand on states' rights? Where do they stand on abortion? Where do they stand on masking and vast mandates? Where do they stand on packing the Supreme Court? This is important stuff. What is their view of, of the Constitution in terms of interpretation? Is, are they literal or they believe it's a living, breathing document? What do they believe in oversight of other branches? We have no oversight right now of the executive office. Where do they stand on impeachment? In other words, if it came down and we had a similar situation and they were in a majority in the House of Representatives, and they had an outlaw in, and I don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat, an outlaw committing crimes like Joe Biden is, would they impeach him? What's their favorite amendment in the Constitution? Where do they stand on lawsuit financing? We've covered that in some prior chapters or prior episodes. What's their opinions on social justice? What's their opinion on tax policy? Would they be willing to take the current system and take a wrecking ball to it and go to something like a fair tax like they used to have before the 16th Amendment? Okay. Where are they on campaign finance? Are they willing to look into it? Will they accept money from big tech and big pharma? What's their opinion on tech? Should social media be broken up? Uh, Yeah, they got monopolies. What's their view on artificial intelligence. What's their view on autonomous tech? Now, the reason I throw those two in there, if they're pro all that stuff, that's someone that's going to basically vote you out of a job at some point. Back on tech, Section 230 reforms. Should social media be regulated as well as broken up? These are things to think about. And here's the other. Will they support their party platform If not, if they cannot support their party platform, would they be willing to resign and would they be willing to put that in writing? Ooh. 
also want to talk about a few things when you have some folks that come out that you automatically get attracted to. Everybody thinks a veteran is automatically going to be a conservative. That's not the case. Um, currently, our vets in office are 91 vets, 17 in the Senate. We've got 74 in the House. 28 of those vets are Democrats, 63 are Republicans. Okay. I think it's good having more veterans right now. We used to have about three out of four back in the 70s. Now it's about one in six. I think we need more vets in, but just because they're a vet doesn't necessarily mean they're conservative. Ask the same questions. Okay. I also want to talk about, are you asking them, how do they feel about paper ballots versus computer? And that, my friends, need to be asked at the state level as well as the federal level. Do they support paper ballots? Because we get away of a lot of this nonsense with paper ballots. Do they support the mass mail-in of ballots? In other words, are they strict interpretationists of Article 1, Article 1, Section 4, which gives the state legislatures that power? And it's something a federal candidate should be willing to go on record. Yes, I support that. If they won't go on record, you already know their answer. So you need to hammer them on it. I also want to talk about the last thing to go into on any position is character versus effectiveness. Now, this is this is one that you kind of go, well, I heard he did this. I heard he did this. Okay. I, I'm going to go back between, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to examine from President Clinton to President Trump. Um, I'm not going to look at Bush 41 because I feel it was, was an awful, just, we're just going to take him out. But let's compare Clinton and Trump versus Bush and Obama. Now, the reason I put this out, I personally couldn't stand Bill Clinton. I think he had a lot of character flaws. But Bill Clinton was a pretty smart guy. And you look at, if you take out, he did some pretty big foibles, I think, putting China in the, you know, international money uh, fund was wrong. What they did with giving Korea nuclear power was wrong. But if you look at most of how Clinton governed he was a pretty smart guy. He was effective as a president. His character was a steaming pile of crap, but he was effective. A lot of people will say the same thing about President Trump. A lot of folks, I couldn't stand the man. Well, he had this. He was it. He was rough. Blah, blah, blah. His mean tweets. Okay. All right. I personally liked him, but I could see where a lot of people felt his character, they said, was less than presidential. I don't think he did anywhere near what Bill Clinton did. But his effectiveness was one of the most effective presidents in history. I put him right, right next to Ronald Reagan. Okay. So he was effective. Conversely, you might go back and you look at, for example, Presidents Bush and Obama, Obama's particularly. I think Obama was probably a very good character guy. He put on a, a, good, a good persona. He was a horrible president. Horrible president as was Bush 43, had good character. I went to, yeah, he was a good old boy. You can have a beer with blah, 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 blah. He was a horrible president. He did things in terms of spying on countries, violating rights, putting out things that we're still paying for on those mistakes. That's separate from the mistake. We, it was a mistake going into Iraq. And I was stupid enough to support it at that time. There's things that we have to look at of character versus effectiveness. And you need to look at that. And anytime you're looking at a candidate, look at their track record. Okay. They may have some character flaws. 
but they may be great at what they're going to campaign for. How many times have we seen somebody that is running for office that you think a good job and it comes out that he had a mistress or they cheated on the wife? And I'm not saying that's justified. I'm simply saying, look at their effectiveness, understand we're all human. We're all going to have some warts. Maybe the character's not perfect. You want good character, but I, but let's go back and look. Do you want good character or do you want an effective politician? I'm not asking you to answer that out loud. I'm going to ask you to think about it because depending on there's a lot of new people that are going to come up and you've got to go and look at those backgrounds. You've got to ask these questions. You've got to go through. Everybody's going to put on, they're going to shave and they're going to shampoo and they're going to put on their, their 48 hour deodorant. Let's hope it's 24 hour deodorant so they can take another bath and they're going to brush their teeth and they're going to press and clean and do all those things to give the bright and shiny new. So they think that, they're going to put one over on you, so you'll give them money and vote for them. And what I'm doing is arming you with a litany of things to ask them. But the internal question that you have to ask yourself, which is more important to you, the character or the effectiveness? Because as a general rule, there's going to be flaws either way. And which one you choose is going to determine Going forward, right now, I want effectiveness and I want philosophy. I'm going to overlook some character flaws for someone that's going to follow the platform I want, do the right thing for the country, put America first, and do it with all their heart and soul. And if they've had some character issues in the past, I'm going to give them some forgiveness on that because I want them to do the right thing for my country, my state, my county, my city, my family. That's what I want right now. All right, folks, we're wrapping up the show. You can always follow me on social media. I'm on Gab at DGNC65, Twitter, Info Edge 65. Yes, I have rebuilt that. Information Edge on Facebook. Always catch the website, informationedge.net. I do the blog monthly, sometimes semi-monthly. just depends on how much time I've got. And I want you to have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope this message has been informative, educational, and to some degree entertaining. Next week, we're going to have um, candidate for Texas Governor Alan West on the show, and I'm looking forward to that, and I hope you will be a part of that. In the interim, have a great Thanksgiving weekend. May God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have more to share then. 